What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, Chet Hazard. I'm your host, Fed Hazard, and today we're going to be talking about another personal favorite of mine. Uh, it's going to be a movie this time called Stranger Than Fiction that came out in 2006. And as always, I got Ryoku here in the studio. Ryoku, say hi. Hi. Oh, wow. You didn't go for no, it. No, yeah, no, I know. I, let's let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's give that joke a break for a we're minute. We're just going to... Hi, Matt. Anyways. Um, okay, anyway. <laughs> but no, we're talking about 2006 Stranger Than Fiction. Um, just to give everybody a quick summary of what it is. It's essentially about an IRS agent who uh, starts to hear the narration of his life as he's going about it. And at one point, he's told that his uh, his inaction or actions are going to lead to his imminent death, which sends him on his journey to figure out who this voice is and who this narrator is. And that's... And it's, uh... It's kind of interesting at the time, the the way it was marketed was it kind of in the same vein as like most of other Will Ferrell's comedies at the time, like uh, uh, what Old School or uh, Ricky Bobby or Anchorman. Like, they yeah. kind of played up uh, like the scenes where he's like kind of just yelling at this guy and like being loud. So it it, it tries to kind of, uh, I guess, make you think that's what it's going to be. But then we actually watch it, it's like, oh no, this is actually a, a much more. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a completely. And, uh, deeper type of movie than, than what especially than what he was uh, doing at the time yeah the marketing for this movie was not great um it, it's like you said completely misrepresented the movie and i think that's part of the reason why nobody nobody one saw it and two nobody talks about it which is why i want to talk about it because i think it's one of yeah, my uh, interesting because i was telling you like uh like uh, usually on youtube like uh, a lot of movies uh Especially from that time, we'll have like their uh, like there's that series Cinema Sins that does like everything wrong with or uh, uh, there's that mm -hmm. screen rant series, this pitch meeting that that'll like kind of like kind of break down like what the movie's about sorta. But there's like almost none of that on uh, on this movie. Like the most I find is like just like trailers and some random scenes like when you search for this uh, like on YouTube. So it's it's pretty interesting like how under the radar it is even to this day. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it definitely is very under the radar. Um... And I kind of think it's a shame because uh, the only reason why I saw the movie back in 2000, because I saw this movie in theaters, by the way, when it came out. Oh, no, I, I saw this uh, after it came out. Uh, I, was, I think it was on DVD or... Yeah, I think it was on DVD. I was 16 when I saw it. I saw it with my sister and my cousin, Louie. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only reason we decided to watch it was because of the fact that uh, I don't remember what the movie was that we went to originally see, but it was sold out in uh you know the small theater a town over um Vivalde or Eagle Pass or what you all day like it yeah. was sold out there the movie we originally wanted to see so we were just like well we're oh, we're here okay. it's, what was it that you were gonna see I don't remember I really don't I I, I need to look at movies that came out around the same time and that's what I'm doing right now <laughs> oh you're gonna try to figure it out okay I'm gonna keep talking then and uh so the movie we were trying to see was sold out we the only movie that was available to see at the time we got there at the theater was stranger than fiction and we had never heard anything about it and we said eh, why not because it's 2006 none of us have a cell phone and we drove 45 minutes to get to the theater we're gonna watch something <laughs> so we, you know we got our popcorn we got our drinks because you know that dude 
I that's the thing I miss about that theater. Not to sidetrack, by the way, is the the popcorn drink deal that they had there. You could get a giant bowl of popcorn and two drinks for like ten dollars. It was the cheapest deal you could get at a movie theater for popcorn and drinks. Which even that sounds a little expensive, but yeah, compared to now. Yeah, compared to uh, especially yeah. now, ooh, man. Like I think now it's like twenty bucks for popcorn and the drinks. Granted, the theater I went to recently to watch Black Widow allowed you to get free refills. Like you could constantly refill your cups. That's cool. So, oh yeah, the, there's one that we've gone to. Oh, I mean, it's been a couple of years now that um, yeah, you just go out and refill. They have one of those like those Coke freestyle machine things, and you can just go out and just keep refilling it. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's anyways. It's super cool. But we we went in to this movie completely blind, and I came out with a absolute love for this movie because uh, just to give people who are here for a minute a quick overview, this movie has a lot of depth, a lot of heart, in my opinion. And it, it does, and yeah. it touches on the question of what does it mean to live. Mm-hmm. In my, at least for me, anyways, like or at least what kind of a life. Um, you want you to are you living yeah like is it is it really the life you want to be living you and, know what's kind of funny uh because I, I i watched this a little bit ago because we were we had been planning on recording this and i kind of uh skimmed through it again uh, a little earlier mm-hmm. and you, some, a couple comparisons to other movies came with my mind it's like you know it's kind of like that but like in a less twisted way is uh like saw and the, the movie phone booth if you remember the, the fuck? wait, no, wait, no, hear me out. Hang on, ones, hang on, hang okay. on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How is this comparable to Saw? I am, I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, because in, in that twisted way, uh, Jigsaw's like whole thing was the to make people appreciate life. Yeah. Okay. So, and in an unintentional way, that's what the uh, the you know the the narrator within the movie is is doing for uh, Will Ferrell's character in this because he was kind of living life on autopilot. Yeah, and, but she uh, just kind of like going she, through the motions. She wasn't doing it intentionally, though. She didn't I mean, even you know, know he I was said unintentionally. Oh, okay, okay. And, and that's the same thing in the movie Phone Booth. Do you remember that one? Where yeah, I remember Phone Booth with uh, what was his name? Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell, yeah. Which is which in itself was similar to Saul because that dude's whole thing was uh, trying to make that dude appreciate his life and not uh, take advantage of others and stuff like that. I know it's a weird comparison, but that was that is, literally what jumped my mind. And it's such a weird comparison. To his life. It is, and I totally admit that here. I'm just that was a uh, that was my takeaway from from at least that part of the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. So, that's your hot take for this episode. I I'm just gonna go ahead and trdl uh, Matt's hot take. Uh, Stranger than fiction equals saw. <laughs> If you like Saw for its message, you'll love Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's funny. That's the that's the comparison you drew. Because for me, uh, since I saw this movie when it came out, I didn't draw any comparisons to anything else. For me, I hadn't seen anything like this movie when it came yeah, out. Well, this was on the, on the rewatch. Yeah, first time I didn't make that thing, but I was like watching. I was like, huh. You know, that's kind of like that. But uh, I I do like the movie because you have. I also like the fact that I, uh, the I think the overall presentation of like the concept is pretty well done for this movie. Like they could have really fucked up the idea of this movie or the concept 
Yes. Pretty and you easily. You know what's also um, there's actually like like I was saying like there's actually several ways this movie could have gone that still would have been really interesting. Uh, and we can get into a little more later because I mean the whole point is you know he's living his life and it's being narrated yeah. uh, because it's being written by the author. And you know at the beginning he's kind of like uh, he goes to a, that's a, a psychiatrist. Yeah, and that's the other thing too that brings up the question: Do we even have control over our own life? Like. Is his life preordained because of, of of someone else kind of thing? It's a really yeah, it's a really interesting movie and asks a lot of like heavy questions, not directly, but it pretty much puts them on the table for you to pick up and look at. And yeah. I I love movies that do that that don't entirely oh, yeah. hold we your hand. Definitely uh, delve into that a little bit here. Um, but so I, if you want to just start off, like, is there anything you didn't like about this movie? Uh. I don't like, I didn't like some of the music. Some of the music oh. is very, um, like there's a scene where he's going to bed early on and he's, he's starting, you know, they're doing the visuals of him brushing his teeth and you can see the little counter that's floating next to him, which is a mm -hmm. really cool way of showing his, his mind. At work. Yeah. The editing and like the production of this is, I actually think, you know, it's not the focus of the movie, but it, it's pretty, like, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, and, uh. I, I really enjoyed that part uh, that a lot that you know they use that to show his mind because like he's brushing his teeth and all of a sudden he's not counting numbers you see a girl he has a crush on her name start coming across uh, the number display that's like around him and I think that's mm -hmm. really cute but in that scene when he's going to bed there's like there's a tune playing in the background that is just like I personally don't like it it always bothers me when I watch the movie. But it doesn't take yeah. take away from the movie. It's very like mono polyphonic almost, kind of a tone or mm -hmm. beat. And it's again, it's not a very long scene, and it's not there for very long, so it's not a big deal. But it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't like it for in that particular scene. When they do it in other scenes, it's perfectly fine. And I think it's just like a nitpick for me, a personal thing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some some aspects of that that I that I didn't like. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you know, I didn't really have a problem with music, and then I'm trying to think back. I guess I didn't really like remember most of that music anyway. So maybe that speaks to the yeah. The, 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 um, to me, the music is is kind of forgettable. Yeah, yeah. Except for like one tune when he's uh, actually doing the audit for uh, the uh, the love interest, and it's like do 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 do. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, that that, that one's actually good. Remember, like now that I'm thinking about it, that one's a good one actually. That one actually does stand out. Um, but a lot of the music is just kind of there just to convey like whatever yeah, the emotion. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, like if they're if you're gonna like break it down by like its pieces, like you know the the, the cinematography, the acting and stuff. But music definitely is not the most memorable part of that movie. Yeah, that's that's really the only thing I can find an issue with. Uh, my other my other issue is I kind of I kind of wish they had put out the alternate ending because i really wanted to see how this movie what? would have been i if feel like i remember that being a thing but do you know what it was about or what no it was i i i I, mm -hmm. I when i say alternate ending i mean i wanted i want wanted to see the movie end the way it should have technically oh, the way she intended to write it yeah the way she intended to write it i wanted to see it end that way even gotcha. though, and even though, like, it would not make sense for the for the whole movie. Well, actually, either way, the way it ends works out, in, in my opinion. Like, it all works out, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to see that other the other 
the way she intended it for it to end because I want I because I I like dark and tragic things I don't know yeah, that kind of goes back to um when I said like this movie could have really been shot in a, a number of ways mm -hmm. but one could have been like you know you still have the whole story but without any presence of the uh, narrator or her voice so you you really don't know if he's actually being in the story or if he's actually suffering oh. from schizophrenia that would be an interesting cut of this movie well that i was gonna say uh even with him hearing her voice i i i when i saw it first i i thought that he might have been schizophrenic i really did yeah. i thought he might have been crazy because like you really don't know for a hot second and then you know they show you the 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 author the narrator right and you yeah. hear her voice and you're like oh that's the voice he keeps hearing why is that the voice he's hearing is she actually writing his life or is he making stuff up and then it's kind of revealed a little to me a little too quickly that she's writing yeah, the story it, of his it life it's, it's like in the like maybe like the 20 or 30 minutes into the movie it's, it's it cuts to her like uh imagining her you know she actually starts to imagine like like different deaths and stuff it's, uh, and it's how that would play out 30 minutes on the dot actually because I, I okay cool, yeah I, I'm, i've been i was re-watching it as we were getting ready to start so gotcha and that's kind and yeah, of that's what i was saying like i imagine the whole movie plays out the exactly the same way he's still like everything is the same but you never see her and you never hear her voice but he's still reacting to as if he was talking that'd be a pretty interesting uh <laughs> cut of this movie yeah that would be it would be a little more uh cryptic i think um yeah but i mean like as for what it is it's definitely i think it definitely works the way it was uh the way it actually came out you know oh yeah no i think it's i think it's a it fantastic too heavily into into being dramatic or or comedy it's a, it kind of like straddles the line in a in a pretty good way Yes, it does. Uh, especially when uh, I really like the fact that uh, the uh, when he goes see Dustin Hoffman's character. Uh, what's oh, his, oh boy, yeah. What's his name? What's his name? Just the, the professor guy. I, I uh, Jules uh, Hilbert. Yeah, just yeah. God, I hated that guy. Like, Dustin Hoffman you know, for being a funny comedic actor. He played a douchey character very well. Yes. And, and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up that I liked about this movie is they got a lot of comedic actors in this movie playing really, mm -hmm. really serious roles. And man, do they knock it out of the park. Every the only one I feel that was kind of uh, like, I don't know if I want to say wasted or, or you know, like it, it seemed like, oh, then how come you got was the Queen Latifah's character? Like she doesn't really do much in the movie. I think they put really her in the movie for uh, her namesake. They wanted to bring people to the theaters. I guess. Because like that's yeah. that's just usually the reason why they bring people on like that. I personally love uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Anna Pascal. I love. Just, oh yeah, she played it also at the beginning like a a jerky character really well. I just I think she's a great actress and I love her. I think she's gorgeous. She's uh my one of my celebrity crushes. But uh, yeah. and it's because of this movie honestly. It's she. That's why she's my celebrity crush. Because yeah, sixteen year old me saw her and I was like, oh my god, she's so pretty. <laughs> If she's saying fuck the system i'm down for that <laughs> man but honestly like i think that was one of my i wouldn't say a gripe because i think that's probably like one of the things the movie intends is like a lot of these people come off as jerks for a while well, yeah because uh because i like she kind of like had like laid it on to him pretty hard like it, he was just doing his job yeah he's just doing his job but she's also like like, I know she hates the system of it, but like he's like literally one cog in the the piece of it. So I was like, yeah, but you know, well, obviously, you know, she turns around. It's it's they, kind they of like a, each other. it's kind of like that thing of the bystander effect. Like just because you're a cog in the system shouldn't doesn't mean you should be okay with it. Like you shouldn't 
it like obviously she got through to him because he started to see how much his job it really is pretty shitty in a sense of like how they deal with people which is why mm -hmm. the things play out in the movie the way they do like i think he would have helped her even if they didn't fall in love is what i'm saying yeah. um falling in love with her definitely probably helped <laughs> but uh i think that you would he she he would have helped her either way um but i i i think the reveal of the author was a little too early for the movie personally but it doesn't yeah, again it doesn't take away it, it doesn't yeah, take it, away it works fine like you you don't make that exact like direct connection right away you know like you realize like okay they're she's obviously playing a part in this but like the, the hows and the whys aren't really um yeah too explained and, at that point and yeah you're left with the question of like hey if she's writing this book and nobody knows about it, how does he know? Like, how does he hear her voice then? Like, is he actually going crazy? Like, how? Like, you yeah, start, you, it starts to raise more questions about like him as a person. Like, it does, and honestly, you know, it's just the whole thing. And you know, I, I, I guess that's not really the point of it is to answer those questions. It's, it's just as a, a means to an end for the, yeah, you know, for that. But it, it does really kind of like, like, oh, then like, how did that all work? Like, like who was she? Uh, writing that he was calling you know when he when she was he ended up calling her you know oh like you like you're near what, the end of where like he's ringing the phone he's trying to call her and she's typing it out but she was not aware that he's calling her no like, i think i think he was calling i think uh in the story she he was supposed to be calling somebody else maybe because by that point i think he he was already seeing anna pascal right they were already dating yeah yeah this was a this was about like 30 minutes from the end so this was already kind of like yeah like yeah so he could have been like or her original right could have been about him like calling her not realizing that he was calling karen not anna like yeah i think that's what i i i'm gonna disagree with you there in a little bit i think that's why uh i think it's a great point where it crosses from being maybe he's absolutely crazy to it crosses that line is like oh the two worlds collide now and this is how it Maybe. happens. Like, and there's points like that before that too. Like when he's going to meet the uh, uh, professor, Dustin uh, Hoffman's character. Like, what is he? What's going on in the story when he's like in those like, like honestly plot heavy moments for this for the movie? Like, uh, is he just like doing nothing or I don't know? Stuff like that was like kind of made me like scratch my head. Like, okay, so what's going on here? Is that um hmm yeah. And I don't think it has to have an answer, you know, yeah. I want one, but you know, it, it's definitely like, uh, it makes you, you think like, okay, so what, what was going on there? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause like, I, I feel like if you, if you were going to get an answer to that, it would be in the book version of this. Yeah. If there, if there was a book. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like if, if there was a real book of this. Yeah. I don't and know. I guess, the, like, I guess the other big thing is like, did she create him or did at some point like his life intercede with her story like yeah you the, get what i'm saying i get what you mean like the movie brings up a lot of questions that don't get answered like how many people because yeah. well she asked asked that question in the movie like how many people has she actually killed because if this is like a story that she's written about somebody who's actually alive like how many of her stories beforehand have done this where she's written them and they've died like, right. is she some arbitrary harbinger of death for, like, a bigger fucking cause? Or, like, is she the devil, like, or the Grim well, Reaper? And there's a, an interesting point that I want to kind of, like, just bring up. So when he's trying, when they're, uh, he's talking to uh, Professor Jules Hubert, whatever, you know, Preston, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character. Mm -hmm. um, 
he hears her on the on the TV like like there's an interview playing and I was like oh wait that's her, and uh, at the end of that scene right as he's leaving like uh in the interview it's like uh oh I don't believe in God like she's saying that, and then you think well you know it's interesting that she says that because she herself is a god of sorts. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, creating and the kind of um, directing the the lives of the the characters in your books. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it's, there's not much like to unpack there. I thought it was just an interesting point. Like, uh, she is an atheist who herself is a god. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's again. It's one of those things where I don't think there was ever meant to be an answer. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything like super but, like uh, heavy in there. But I just thought it was an interesting point when I was I, uh, rewatching some of this. I really like the movie for making me like ask those kind of questions though. Even they're like, because everybody will have their own theories about movies and like the subtle things in them. Like, uh, mm-hmm. this is a, a, a big tangent, but like in, uh, in, uh, uh, infinity war for the Avengers, uh, everybody has come out and saying that there's this huge theory by the fans that, uh, when everyone gets snapped, you see, uh, Natasha Romanoff, black widow, grab her stomach. And mm-hmm. like, if, like if she's in pain and everyone took that uh-huh. as a sign that she was pregnant and she lost the baby. Like everyone, huh. everyone, like that's it's a big fan theory that's been out there on the internet know. since that movie came out. And it's just like, at first I was like, eh, I don't know. But then again, she was on the run with Captain America for three years and with three other guys, like, well, maybe I mean, she, she, maybe she got lonely and decided to, you know, shack up with one of them. Maybe, but at the I, same, I guess that, that part isn't as like but, explicit. But that's an interesting, like you know, that's an interesting, like subtle but, thing that you could definitely take some of that away from. But the thing is that throws that theory out the window that people tend to forget, and which is why I brought it up. So if anybody listens to this, they can share this information. Black Widow was part of the Red Room project. Oh, one of the right. first so things. She was that, our, uh, yeah. One of the first things they did is they scooped out. Me. Yep, they scooped all that stuff out true so, true so she can't get pregnant so her grabbing her stomach was just like an artistic choice she probably made as an actress scarlett johansson i'm showing yeah, like yeah. she was freaking out because instead of doing the typical like the typical thing where she covers her mouth and just like in shock she decided to grab her stomach like because that's what people do when you're uh when you're getting defensive and you want to protect yourself you bring your arms in and you cover yourself and that's what she did she brought her arms in and covered herself yep yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it's kind of like in the moment, like, oh, that's why she grabbed her stomach. But then you remember, oh, yeah, she's she yeah. was part of that program. That I, like, I, I, I like the theory just because I, I like the fact that it, uh, yeah, comics have be- theory. that Yeah, I like the fact that comics have become so big that people are theorizing about this stuff because I've been doing that with comic books my whole life. So the fact that like the general audience is now jumping on that same train uh, with comics makes me happy. But Anyways, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Just to get quick, quick to continue on that, it's I don't know why some people get so gatekeepy about like like things suddenly becoming popular. I, I think it's a good I don't thing know. when the when like you know something you loved is like getting more love as well. Like it, like some people start like especially this happens a lot in the sorry another tangent here in the Godzilla fandom where like oh these guys don't know they're not real fans and stuff. And it's like hey we're we're people are like getting into this like at this point you know it's it's not a bad thing to always have new fans coming in. No, it's not. Like you want the stuff to keep going, right? Like let let exactly. people become fans of it. It's the same thing that happens in anime too. People gatekeep anime all oh, the time. Yeah, you don't have to know the history of every like movie or series that came yeah. before. You don't know like the the director's middle name before he changed it. To, you know, like just like these random bits of trivia that are yeah. like completely meaningless. Right. Like, like yeah, it's cool to know those things, but it's not like you're required to 
to pass some kind of an exam to become a fan of a freaking like decades long thing you know yeah exactly and it just it's like anytime i talk to anybody who wants to get into comics because of the marvel movies they go i have nowhere to st i have no idea where to start and i literally will go okay so what do you like and i'll give you a place to start because i want you to continue your love for it because yeah, I'm, get, yeah. getting into the comic books in general is a mess because there's a lot of like reduns reboots oh yeah continuities are out of thousands of books that you could jump into reboots and like spin-offs and like and what honestly, is all, i know there's like a huge huge like uh like ca the chasm of uh, of places to jump into there yeah and honestly with comic books you can start anywhere but the thing is like literally just pick a random point and jump in and you'll find what you're looking for you'll find something that you like eventually yeah the reason why i give people a jumping off point for that is because uh everyone uh, i feel like people have the same problem i do when they look at something like that like when i look at one piece because i've never seen one piece and i want to start watching it it's just like that's a lot to watch and i don't know if i commit to that it's that same mm -hmm. feeling with comic books like that's a lot of comic books i don't know if i want to commit to that i i like to suggest things that are very like not small but kind of self-contained they're only a couple of volumes big most of the time like my favorite one to uh, to offer up to people especially anyone who's a batman fan is the court of owls and the night of owls it's two volumes uh 12 books or 12 12 comic issues essentially chapters and it's a great batman story where you get to actually see batman be a detective like they finally dialed it back to him being the world's mm -hmm. greatest detective again and I love that they do that because it hasn't been done even in comics in a long minute. And um, Scott Snyder, no relation to Zack Snyder, and the artist Greg Capullo put the, that book together absolutely well. Those two volumes, absolutely gorgeously. And that's where I always recommend people who are fans of Batman to start. Um, and, and, yeah. But anywho... Uh, Getting off that tangent, coming back to Stranger Than Fiction, um, I I really do enjoy the fact that the they took a cast of pretty much comedic actors, put them all in serious roles, and they all did fairly well. Again, the only one like you met, mentioned, I agree with Queen Latifah. She seems kind of pointless to be there. She doesn't do yeah, a like, whole you lot. Could have just had a, like really anybody in that role. Like a, I'm trying to think like the like. She, I guess she was like a good emotional crutch by the end for mm -hmm. um, uh, Karen Eiffel. I, 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 now I, I'm blanking on the actress's name, but yeah, like I, I feel like any per, anyone could have been in that role to uh, just uh, help like guide her by the end there. Yeah, and you and I agree. Dustin Hoffman plays such a jerk. I wanted to get back to that scene because when, oh, yeah, when, he, to when he when <laughs> he when he's talking to him, uh, Jules Hilbert completely breaks down harold crick's character like he noticed right away that he's counting the tiles that he's counting how many steps he takes like he keeps asking him those questions like a dickhead like uh, how many steps are on the stairs or how many tiles did you count in the bathroom and he's like oh i didn't yeah that's yeah I, I, that i could just take as like you know quirks of being such a like like a uh, having such a pedigree in his, his field you know like he's he's very uh noticing of like you know like small quirks and things like that but yeah it's more his attitude later on towards um oh yeah yeah okay i know what you mean because it, it kind of starts there right he kind of gives him a little bit of attitude and when he's explaining the voice to jules hilbert the 
the uh you know the the uh, he's what a professor of literature essentially yeah and uh and uh oh speaking of which uh, i'll get to this here in a second so he's speaking to him and the guy is literally not giving him his full attention he's walking around his office checking his books checking his mail like he's barely paying attention to him it, at some point he even shuts the door on him and just like wedges in between the door frame and the door and harold just kind of just stands there like i'm i don't want to leave but he's obviously telling him to leave by doing that and it's and of course it was a piece of literature writing that gets his attention he says yeah. little did he know i didn't know this until i looked it up recently the reason why professor hilbert heard that and immediately changed his tune about the whole thing is because little did he know was an old school literary writing term for fairy tales hmm. i didn't know that i never made that connection but that's why he yeah, changed his opinion on it kind of a, because if yeah. Harold Crick isn't a writer and if he's schizophrenic, he would have never used that phrase. I would have never used that phrase because I'm not a writer. That's why he changed his tone. And I didn't realize that's like the, the levels of why he changed his opinion and decided to help him. I didn't understand that when I first saw it as a kid. And that's why mm -hmm. he, when he comes back to see Jules Hilbert, uh, he has all those fictional books, uh, those fictional ideas. Like he's he's asking him all those questions because he's trying to figure out why, uh, like if he's in a fairy tale or not, because that yeah. phrasing is indicative of those style of writing, and right. it, that blew my mind to realize like that's how smart the writing is in this movie. That's one of the things I absolutely love about this movie is the writing. It's very clever. It's very smart. If you don't pay attention, you will be lost it doesn't hold your hand and a lot of movies don't do that nowadays a lot of movies hold the audience's hand like you're stupid and i hate that i hate that yeah so there's a lot much. of either over exposition or like over like uh like reliance on like things being explained or you know yeah. stuff like that but yeah it's nice when like you kind of have to connect the dots yourself yeah and but, it, uh and i think it kind of he alludes to you know like uh, how much of a big deal like little did he know is like, oh yeah he, like i've written papers on this i've taught classes on this so he's but it's, At least he kind of, uh, it's never little. completely explained that it's like an old literary yeah, he, writing term. He just says he's yeah. done this, like he's done a seminar and stuff like that. I taught a whole class about it and then, you know, has him come back. What I like, uh, the scene prior to that is you were talking about the, uh, he went to go see a therapist. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I like the depiction of the therapist in the movie because most times you, when you see a therapist in a movie, they're usually depicted as uncaring or un like combative or not not listening. Like they're yeah, they're just, just there to collect a paycheck yeah. or non apathetic. And this lady seems very apathetic. Like she's just like, listen, you're explaining it to me, and it sounds like schizophrenia still. Like it still sounds like schizophrenia. And just the fact that there's a moment where he's like, I I know what it sounds like. I'm just telling you it's not. And he asked her, like, what should I do then? And that's where he gets led to go talk to Jules Hilbert. He's like, well, I'd maybe go talk to somebody about literature. Because she doesn't know what to do either. But she's trying to help. And that's the only yeah. thing she could think of. And I thought that was a really, a really great scene to have with, like, that kind of uh, character. She also looks like the real-life Edna Moe from Incredibles, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but I, I really, uh, that's one of the smaller scenes that I really enjoy from this movie. There's also a moment, uh, oh, there's another scene that I really enjoyed. 
where he's first going to talk to Anna Pascal and she's just being a complete bitch to him. Like she's just being a complete and utter bitch to him. And I love it. But she notices that he's staring at her tits and she says it, oh, calls yeah. him out for it. And he's just like, I'm sorry. And if I was, I was only doing it as a representative of the United States. The US government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the face she funny. makes when, when he says it is like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> And then he like he's kind of like what the hell did I just say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, such a good scene. Oh, I love it so much. But um, yeah, the little snippets of dialogue between them before they get together is is uh, really charming. Like when they're on the bus and uh, uh, like, oh, are you on your way to a flag burning or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's really cute and it's really because like if you were just listening to that conversation, you'd be like, this is the most awkward conversation ever. But they're absolutely flirting with each other up the fucking wazoo it is also awkward and i, I, I uh, like how that makes uh that makes him really relatable like to anyone that's like got like social or like anxiety or just you know yeah. is, is awkward in general yeah like, yeah it's easy, it's easy to, to put yourself in his shoes and be like yeah i'd probably be the same way and that's the other thing i was gonna bring up i'm glad you said that is that harold crick is such a relatable character with how he's portrayed and i think a lot of that has to do with will ferrell's portrayal he does an amazing job with his character like I love his acting in this movie. I to me, it's one of his best roles he's done, personally. Um, especially, I like the little quip between them where he, you know, he apologizes and he kind of stammers. He's just like, "I, I, I ogled you. I'm, I'm sorry." And she literally is like, "I accept it only because you stammered." Yeah. Because yeah. He, she could tell that he was really, he felt really bad about what he did. But yeah, he was being sincere. He wasn't just like, uh, "Yeah, sorry about that." Like he was like. He didn't even know, like, he was kind of unsure about how to apologize, which was, yeah. I think, kind of the, you know, kind of the, the part that was uh, uh, enamoring to her. Yeah, and uh, it's, and this movie is so, so charming. Like, it's just, yeah. I, and, and, like, there are a lot of layers to it, too. Oh, yeah, I like, uh, because uh, you get to the scene where, like, he goes to finally audit her, and she throws everything into a box to fuck with him, like, He's just like, are you serious? This is how you keep your files? And she's like, no, I just did it to fuck with you. And yeah. he spends the yeah. entire day. And it's funny because you get these little shots of, of of her ignoring him constantly while he's trying to ask her a question about things. And a little by little, you notice she's starting to pay more and more attention to him throughout the day. Is he's not he, he's not leaving. Like he's just he's just trying to do his job. And that's how he got through to her. Like, yeah, she hates the system. But you, she shouldn't be putting that on him. Like, he's just an employee. And she realizes yeah. that, like, halfway through that whole bit. Which is why we get the scene where she makes the cookies. And he tells the story. Which is kind of sad to me, man. Where he's he's never had homemade cookies. Like, what kind of person has grown up with never having homemade cookies? It's just like, oh my god. Like, dude. Like, that part was a little relatable to me, too. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I, I would imagine that's relatable to people. Because I grew up with homemade cookies. Um, oh, I didn't. And you know, I and it never dawned on me that people can grow up like that. And and, and yeah. there you go, like you you you're on the opposite end of that of that whole idea. And um, so she tried to do something very nice for him, and he fucks up, right? He fucks up hard, and he says yeah. he'll he'll pay for him. And she gets mad. And I really like the fact that he he not only noticed that he fucked up, he straight up was just like, "You were just trying to be nice to me," and I really fucked that up. And he just leaves. Yeah, and like that, uh, yeah, that definitely like speaks back to like his uh, you know general ineptitude. Like as far as like he doesn't know how to react to uh, uh, things that either aren't like 
like on a schedule or like in a rhythm like or just yeah. like general like like human acts of kindness like yeah he's so used to his uh routine you know like just goes about being like very little like personal interaction so this is like yeah. all new to him yeah yeah you can tell that like he's like you said he's on autopilot his life has been on autopilot and he goes and has that conversation i think with uh professor hilbert again and he literally says like the professor tells him like just go live your life man like there's your life is a tragedy oh wait i'm sorry he he says no, that because before he thinks yeah he's like it's a comedy so yeah just go go live that and go and uh develop that or, or you know yeah go develop that comedy because like you know things are starting to turn out or starting to be better and uh that's when we get the uh scene where he goes back to try to make it up to anna pascal and he brings her flowers but yeah, it's like actual like yeah yeah it, not flowers as in the like a the plant you know, a, a plant like flowers as in like baking flowers yeah he brings her a box of baking flowers of like what 32 different kinds of baking flour something like that and i just i love the way it's shot because you don't know what he's carrying and she's like what is that and, and and she gives him that whole spiel like you know what i'll buy them from you what are they and that's when it it, it dawns on her and he just looks at her and says they're flowers and you realize they're bags of flour to bake with and she's just like oh oh like not only did he bring her a thoughtful i uh, like brought her a gift he brought her a thoughtful one like one that really leans into what she does yeah. which is being a baker one, one that like he wouldn't have gotten if he wasn't like intently listening to uh you know her interests and like what she was like when they were having that conversation before and when she gives her backstory about how she went to law school and then ended up enjoying baking so much more and decided to do that instead you know like it, it's a really cute yeah. moment when when she makes those cookies for him i love that that scene and you know you get the scene where he goes back to her apartment they have dinner and you know he could tell he's still kind of really awkward but she's she's into him and then because by this point we haven't touched on that by this point he's starting to do things for himself which is learning the guitar uh he's yeah. uh he had his apartment destroyed by a wrecking crew which uh dustin hoffman's character is like you know that's 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 plot that isn't you know co coincidental or just happenstance he's like uh he's like he's okay like it's like um having your insurance guy come in when your policy runs out is coincidence having a, a letter from the emperor saying he's visiting his plot he's like a wrecking ball in your apartment i'm not sure what that is. yeah exactly so he ends up living with his co-worker dave which mind you He's such a minor character, but he's honestly one of my favorite characters in the movie because he's so accepting of Harold. He doesn't oh, really yeah. question it. Yeah, that was a pretty cute like moment. Too. Like he's not like thinking like, "Oh, this guy's weird." Like he's like, "Like he's like, cool." Okay, I mean, like I, I don't really get what's going on, but hey, you're you're my friend. Like let's uh, yeah, like I'm here for you, kind of yeah. thing. You know, in a subtle way. You know, like they they they've been more acquaintances up until this point. I think like you know, like that's like the only person he talks to. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it kind of shows like, like you know, he's a uh, like they're they're really they're cool with each other, you know. They don't really have to, uh, uh, you know, tiptoe around each other. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, it uh, it's really cute you get you get a lot of these like interpersonal moments that are really well written between him and a lot of characters and uh and i just you you get back to this coming back to where he's at her apartment you know he sees the guitar and she tells him that the guitar was traded in for for a wedding cake or something which yeah, yeah. it 
people are like, why would you let someone walk off with a wedding cake with a guitar? It's like guitars are like four or five hundred dollars, man. Wedding cakes are expensive. They're about that price. So yeah, that's, it's that, a, that, that seems like a like a if you're you know into trading things for anything, that seems like a fair a fair trade. Yeah, it's a fair trade, and I. Uh, he starts playing on it and he plays the song that he's been learning. And I cannot remember the name of the song right now. But I think it was called Whole Wide World. Yeah, but I don't know who it's by. It's it's uh, a song that I've been wanting to learn since I saw the movie. And I have not taken the the, the steps to do so. Even though I, I know how to play the guitar. Because I think it's a, it, the way he plays it and the way Will Ferrell sings it is really well done. Because he's not perfect at singing. He's like very self-conscious he's very quiet to himself like he's not trying to sing out loud but it catches her attention like she still hears it it comes yeah. out of the kitchen and that's when you can tell she's absolutely enamored with him oh and it's uh I, the artist is reckless eric who i reckless was, not, eric. Okay. was not aware of i was not aware of either but and and that's when it kicks off you know they have they have a night together and he goes back to professor hilbert and he's like the, the, the it's a comedy you know, like blah blah blah, yeah. and that and yeah. that's when they find out that uh, Karen Eiffel is the author and tells him, you know, no, she only writes tragedies. You can't be living a comedy. That's all she ever writes. She kills every single in every single story. The main character dies, and tells him to go live his life. Like there's nothing you can do about it, essentially. And, and I think that's he, where, where it starts to really like oh, like I like I thought it was jerky before, but this is where like I really start to hate his character. Yeah, because like well. You, it's weird because like you end up hating the character but you also understand that like he doesn't fully believe him still like he thinks he's schizophrenic so he's just telling Maybe, him I, I mean I got the sense that he does believe him but it doesn't matter to him like he just likes good literature or wants like yeah, good he, literature whether his life is actually on the line or not well yeah that becomes very apparent later when he, he brings him the book even when it's like almost certain that that's the case he's still like yeah yeah you still gotta die man like yeah. oh man I hated that kind of a like I, the scene point, that... I understand that you know like it, it'll be like a profound or beautiful like the way he describes it but mm -hmm. like and he's like oh well, you, you know you're gonna die at some point anyway but the thing yeah. is like this isn't like some like death by happenstance like it, like someone's literally controlling his fate to to die so it, i don't think his point holds up about a you know like whether you die in an accident or die this way it's it's going to be the same so, so I, I don't know that, that was kind of like my like like come on really i think but, the uh, the scene that emphasizes that the most is when he goes to take him like the the pre-written book because when you get the jumping back a bit when you get the scene where he finally meets karen eiffel and she had already started writing his death like she she already had it written on legal sheets and stuff like that and he like freaks out at her he's like you have this moment where he's getting angry with her and she doesn't know what to do she's panicking because she never knew that somebody's life was in her hands yeah, and they're, they're like they're both realizing like hey this is actually like happening and like and neither one was like i think up in, like until this point neither one was like like a hundred percent sure that like it actually is what it is but once they meet each other it's like oh like yeah this is really gonna go down yeah and it just uh it's crazy because that's the only that's the only big thing that like uh queen latifah's character does bring in is just like just let him read the book and you get this beautiful scene where he's riding the bus all night reading the book he's reading yeah. the paper and uh, he just, uh, back up a little before that like at uh, the scene where he's at her apartment I really like the way it's shot as he's about to come in. 
Oh uh, yeah. He, he knocks on the door, and uh, she lets him in. And the way the uh, the camera's pointing, like he's like several rooms away, and he's just blurry enough, like for us and to her to be like, wait, like like she knows him, but she can't like really grasp the fine details yet. Yeah. And then as I he comes into view, like you see the realization in her eyes, like this is him. yeah, this is the cre- the creator as I the character as I described. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that that scene was really interesting. Like, I think that's probably my favorite scene. Just as the there's like, a lot of moments like that. Yeah, there's a lot of moments like that throughout the movie with a lot of characters. Emma Thompson sells that scene as Karen Eiffel Emma when she Thompson, realizes because she walks up to him like your hair, your clothes, your shoes. Like she's completely it's almost bo- like meeting your child for the first time. Like, yeah. Like like the so that's what the, that kind of goes back to my like did she create him? Or did they just, was this like one heck of a coincidence that like he becomes like intertwined into her story? Like, I I I think that's the thing. It it doesn't explain where she starts the book from. Yeah. Is it like he's already an adult? Like, is it at this point in his life, you know, he's an adult? He's like, I'm assuming that the the book starts at the start of the movie. Like, I think that's exactly where it it starts. It doesn't start at his uh, childhood or something like that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So, but no, I agree that that's (laughs) such a good scene. But before that, uh, before he reads the book, he takes it to Professor Hilbert, and he's yes. like, "Hey, yeah. like I finally met her. She she is writing a book about me. Can you please read it and tell me what to do?" Because he's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He really doesn't know what to do. And he goes, "Okay, I'll read it." Takes the book and just drops it on the floor next to him while he's by the pool. Yeah, and just ignores him. At that point, I was like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> Fuck Professor Hilbert. Like he I is mean, an yeah, absolute I mean, like, dickhead. Yeah, just- because, like, I was kind of trying to be be forgiving of him a little bit because he's an author. He maybe just be cynical of, of the guy, even if he does believe him. But He like, just generally has this real, like, elitist attitude. Like, like yeah. he, he has a sense of superiority to others is uh, the vibe I get from it. Exactly. And it just, man, I never wanted to, like, reach through <laughs> a screen. screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to fucking grab that guy by the shirt. But, like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? Like, this guy is literally trying to come to you for your help. And you're literally just going to continue to wave him off like this. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, oh, man. Just talking about it. It's gotten me heated. Fuck. <laughs> it's almost like uh, how you were when uh, we were watching Earth Demon Slayer and you they introduced those... Uh, those captain dudes and you're like oh, oh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no this time i'm not eating crow he's a piece of shit character i fucking hate him yeah and nothing about him changes like like uh even at the very end like where she has rewritten it and he's like yeah it's okay i guess it's not bad it's not great it's, it's okay well, the, and that's the thing like, like what to I, him it didn't matter that uh harold crick was alive it was like yeah he wanted the, just the good story out of it and that's what like Oh, like I, I really could not. And in a way, that's what I meant. Like, like it was the movie worked really well in really making me dislike that character. Yeah, and he even tells him that too. Like he's like the book's perfect. Like you have to die. He's such an asshole about it. I mean, it kind of like he seems to almost be like kind of like sociopathic in that way. Not like maliciously, but like he has no uh, uh, like empathy or or like you know sympathy for this guy. You know. Yeah. Exactly. What I like is they take the time to let those scenes breathe and let him like read it. And then Harold reads it on the bus and you get those shots of him reading it throughout the entire night. And he goes back to Karen Eiffel and you could tell he spent like the whole night crying. You could just see it in his eyes. Like he's been crying the whole time. He tells her, you need to finish the book. Perfect. Harold Crick decides that he, he rather (laughs) die for a good, for an amazing story 
then live the life that he's been finally living because he hadn't been living his life up until this point uh until recently and it's such a yeah. sad thing because you get this beautiful moment where he's in bed with anna pascal he gets up and he goes and starts taking care of all of his all of his financials everything he leaves stuff to her he helps her figure out how to avoid being audited because of all the charity work she does like he 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 goes about he gets, getting uh, ready to Dave a thing for space camp. Like yeah, dude, wanted. I fucking love oh, that so moment. much. That was such a sweet moment that he got him a a, a a ticket to go to space camp as an adult. It's like, dude, yeah, fuck, that's awesome. Like, it's so fucking good. And you get to the final titular end of the book or the movie, where he's waiting for his bus. He's late because of the time he changed on his watch because he got the wrong time. And a kid riding his bike, who's been riding his bike throughout this whole movie, mind you. Yeah, they they uh they open up like one of the opening scenes was with that kid getting a, a bike from his dad at the at the start of the movie. Yeah, and also um a bus uh, driver being hired. Yes, she's, she, it's the same one. She's looking at the classifieds, and she's the same driver that that uh that hits him. Yeah, and so you get this scene where the kid riding by on his bus jumps off the curb right uh on his bike jumps off the curb right in front of the bus and falls and harold goes and throws him out and dude the the fact that they show the impact fucking was jarring like i legitimately audibly screamed in the theater i was like oh fuck because they don't shy away from the bus hitting him yeah it's it's like a one one shot of like him just like just getting hit by the bus like that and i and you see it cuts to him like he's laying there and he's dying and it cuts to Karen Eiffel typing out the final part of the book and she has typed out D.E. for dead and can't do it. Like you see her like grab the keyboard. She like puts her head against it. She's trying to smoke a cigarette because she's freaking yeah, the fuck out. The, her, her carton of cigarettes like yeah, and, out of here. And it kind of cuts to black and we're left to wonder for a second. Did he just is he dead and you that get this some in a good uh, interesting place to just end the movie itself dude if the movie ended right there <laughs> i i would have still loved it just as much as i do today i think yeah. it ending like that would have been absolutely tragically beautiful up, but yeah, it would have been really good too <laughs> yeah but we get this nice fade in to harold crick in the hospital and a full body cast yeah anna pascal is rushing through the hospital to get to him and is freaking out because he's lying in bed and she's just like what happened he's like i had to save a little boy he fell in front of a bus and he's alive and you get this beautiful scene where they're together in the hospital and then it cuts to karen eiffel going to visit jules hilbert and she mm -hmm. gives him the new version of the book and that's when that's when again his like they do a really good job of making you hate his character he goes he literally says it like this he goes He's like, what do you think of the book? And he goes, it's okay. It's okay. It's not the yeah. greatest thing written in decades of literature, but it's it's okay. And he's like, he's being such an asshole about it, about the book just being okay. Yeah, and he's like, why did you change it? Like, and like with such a like disdain and like, oh man, really solidifies my hate for that character. And she just says, I think I'm okay with just okay. And she leaves. And yep. you get this beautiful scene of of Anna laying in bed with Harold, feeding him Bavarian sugar cookies, which I still want to go get. I haven't had a Bavarian sugar cookie, but that sounds fucking <laughs> delicious. Fuck. 
And uh, all, one thing that we have not touched on that was actually probably the single most important part of the like the of the movie is his watch. Yeah, actually, thank you for bringing that up because that's something I wanted to talk about. His watch had his own personality and character and was constantly trying to tell him things, trying to warn him. And he was almost an extension of himself. Yeah. uh, And then it literally becomes a part of him when they say, like, oh, you know, the 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 doctor cut into your vein and we couldn't take it out because it uh, it would sever one of your arteries. So it's just going to be part of you forever. Yeah. And it's just. It's such a great movie the way it ended, you know. And that's you the thing. So it the it it and I think they kind of allude to this in the movie. Like the watch is basically its own character. Yeah, it definitely it, is. Almost like it it makes decisions on on its own at points. Like it's there's a feeling that it's alive. And, yeah. Uh, there's I there's a okay. There's some kind of just a very loose point here. There's kind of a, a bit like that's uh like this in uh Clinette, the anime I've been trying to get you to watch. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man. So if you like, where there's that kind of like, like a sort of like a consciousness to you know an inanimate uh, object, like there's a that kind of like through line that was like, hey, that's kind of like in Clinette. Like there's a there's a point, and I won't talk about it now. I mean, I'll wait till you watch it, but uh, it kind of gave me those vibes. Okay, okay, yeah. No, I've been meaning to get to watch Clinette. I really do need to get to it, but uh, this movie was just was absolutely charming and beautiful and quirky in some instances like when he goes to go make the phone call when he first calls uh, Anna or he calls uh, Karen Eiffel you have that old guy on his phone just trying to get a hold of his daughter and I thought that was just such a weird character to have in the movie he's just yeah, on the phone a, um, yeah there's a and it's not a point that I came up with my own I, it's kind of seen the like a like a small part of analysis is that there's a, a surrealism in this movie that uh it's kind of like like a through line throughout the whole thing like there's, there's been some points that refer to like a surrealist art like the use oh, of the, yeah. uh, the apple apparently is a like a symbol of like a, a surrealist uh like artwork and yeah. so was the watch like a like it's kind of supposed to like allude to salvador dolly's uh um thing about the melting clocks yeah i was actually going to bring that up too yeah that was kind of the whole point i think of the watch as well um which, by the way, if anybody's listening to this podcast, he's curious. The watch that he's wearing in the movie is a Timex Iron Man Dual Tech. Oh, I didn't know that. It's specifically, a Dual Tech Triathlon T56371. I looked it up on eBay because I think it'd be an absolute amazing <laughs> thing to own. As like, and it's not from the show or from the movie, but I would love to own the watch and be like, "Hey, that's Harold Crick's watch. That's the watch that saved his life." Like to me, that's cool. I would love to own that. I'm a fucking nerd like that. But the on eBay, it's going for like three hundred and like eighty dollars, and <laughs> I can't, I can't justify paying that much for a watch that I'm never gonna wear. It, I, well, yeah, it'd be a cool thing to have, but yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. it's a bit impractical. <laughs> it's very impractical. Maybe if I have you know, buku amounts of fuck you money. One day, then yeah, I'll I'll definitely own it. It will be one of the things I would love to own. Own it and then like uh, rush in front of a bus, hoping that it'll save your life. <laughs> <laughs> On today's news, local local uh, San Antonian died while stepping in front of a bus. No particular rhyme or reason. Too into movies to die. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, like that that local man too angry to die. But oh, you mean Doom guy? He's too angry to die. <laughs> You can't be traumatized when you are the traumatic event. Exactly. Oh, but anyway. 
but yeah, this movie is a, a really. I hadn't, I had not seen this since it came out, or you know, since I'd watched it like, like maybe it was like back in two thousand seven. Um, so yeah, rewatching it now was like a, an interesting. Uh, there was definitely some points where it was like, you know what, I actually don't like this character, or this character sucks, or you know, stuff like that. But uh, but you know, not from the movie itself. I I really enjoyed the movie, and I liked how it portrayed that, and it uh, kind of uh, gave me another perspective on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's what makes this movie timeless, in my opinion. Because, like, you had mentioned it earlier before we started recording that there's no, like, uh, you know, references to, to pop culture or anything like that. There's no... Yeah, this movie isn't one that's talked about a lot, like, in, uh, like, uh, you know, film critic literary uh, uh, and, things online. And I think that's a shame because I think this movie needs to be part of that conversation because... Um, just to touch on it really quick, the filming style throughout it, the framing, not only is the framing purposely done to convey like the emotion of a scene or a particular character, but it also allows moments and scenes to breathe. Like when he's talking to this, uh, to the first, uh, like the in-house therapist at his work, everything is like oh, yeah, super close up and super like. You could tell that Harold Crick just didn't like him by the framing alone because. Yeah. <laughs> That guy was like very like faux caring, but not like like it was like oh yeah sure what's wrong buddy and like the kind of uh, I, I, and very, I like like patronizing yeah and I very, I like the juxtaposition of him with the actual therapist he goes to go see like she actually cares compared to that guy and he yeah, even he even to try a different angle like okay so clearly this isn't uh, yeah working. how about you you do this instead. And it's emphasized when he gives him the hug and they zoom in on that shot and show you how awkward it is because all of a sudden we're put in that moment with that hug and it just makes you go, oh man, like you, you're really trying, but not really to help him. Like, yeah, don't like, hug him. Almost, almost making it work. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I, I hate it so much, but like stuff like that, the framing and uh, of the shots was amazing. It was uh, also uh, just a minor thing, but I, I thought it was like, huh, like how would that work today? Where in that scene where he's trying to uh, call the Emma Thompson's character and the the last resort is a payphone, it's yeah. interesting how that wouldn't work. Uh, like if that was today, like I wonder oh, how that. Would... You know how you make that work? Uh, you have all the phones go down at his work, and, and he you simply video on TikTok and it's like, if you're listening, if you're watching this, please. <laughs> no. Yeah, the phones go down at work, and the uh, his coworker goes, "Oh man, the phones are down because of uh, this. Uh, the cell phone tower is also out, so like we we don't have signal." And he, you see him pull out his cell phone and check, and then go, "Well, shit!" Like I, I need to go to a payphone. Like you can you can make that scene work for today. It just I mean, there's not really payphones around anymore. Is, is what I'm I'm getting at. When's the last time you saw a payphone? Well, for us, we don't see payphones anymore. I think they're still kind of a thing in New York. Uh, actually, I don't think so. I, I think I saw an article because like the last one was like. Oh really? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's why that's my was like, huh? How would that let like, go today? Like, like, I mean, I'm assuming it'd be like a, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is absurd. Like he sends a drone out or something. I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. But <laughs> I, just find, like, I don't know. Like, like, like it's interesting. Like movies of that time, like were, you know, even at that time, payphones were a little bit of a dated uh, reference. So like today, yeah. I, I, I definitely wonder how that would. Uh, how that would play out i don't know maybe maybe then he would just use his cell phone to call her you know like there wouldn't be that scene where he's rushing across the street he would just get oh, outside or, you know, to call be her like he'd be like um 
I don't know, like on like Google Voice or something. I, I don't know, like because yeah, the landline wasn't working and the cell phone was working. Like internet, I don't, I guess would be like his answer to that. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that was just an interesting point that I I noticed. Oh yeah, no, it's a. Uh... I don't know. Um, either way, the movie came out at the right time it needed to come out. And I think it's absolutely fantastic for it. Again, if you guys have listened for this long, if you haven't seen it, you should have gone and watched it before listening to us. But if you really want to check out the movie now, go watch it because it's fantastic. There's a lot of things we didn't touch on that happened elsewhere in the movies. There's a lot of plots and like subthreads we didn't really touch on because uh yeah there's a there's a lot to unpack from that movie honestly um yeah and it's uh currently it's on netflix it's currently on netflix yeah we recommend things we we don't really have a place to go watch it uh but yeah this this is on netflix um so you know pretty pretty accessible go go check it out while it's there but uh thank you all for listening to us talk about one of my favorite movies um stranger than fiction um yeah if you guys always yeah what's up as always, you can uh, you know reach out to us at uh, our Twitter. It's uh, at chat hazard. Uh, email is chat ha- at chat hazard podcast at gmail.com and Reddit's at chat hazard. Yep, you can find us there. You can give us suggestions, or even if you want to come onto the podcast and kind of talk with us about something yeah, that I'm you're interested in. Like yeah, because this isn't just a podcast about movies, anime, you know, uh, music. We're, we literally a podcast to talk about anything. We whether it's toys. Like your fascination for, you know, watch collecting, you know, whatever. Other podcasts. Other, other podcasts. podcasts on the podcast. Right. Podcast get, get super meta about it. But yeah, leave us, uh, leave us some suggestions, uh, comments. You know, if you guys are catching us, wherever y'all are catching us or listening to us, give us a five star review so we can get put in front of more ears. We are now on Throw some money if you want. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> We're also on Apple Music, so you guys can. Find us there, which is amazing. I didn't think we'd ever get on there. Um, But yeah, please leave us a five-star review and let us know what you guys think. And we will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Later.